Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. The GX on Agriculture podcast is brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. When you're in the market for a new Ford, stop by Future Ford for a great selection of new and used vehicles. GX on Agriculture with Doug Falconer. Good afternoon and welcome to GX on Agriculture. Coming up on today's program, as you heard on Friday, Syngenta Canada has announced that it will release a limited amount of Matador 120EC insecticide and Volium Express insecticide in Western Canada. We'll hear from Syngenta's Head of Corporate Affairs, Christina Stroud. The Executive Director of the Swine Health Information Centre says the use of unapproved vaccines has contributed to a resurgence of African swine fever in China. Dr. Paul Sundberg will outline the key developments in the disease around the world over the past month or so. And Regina-based Protein Industries Canada is working with a university in the Netherlands to support the use of more plant-based sources of protein. We'll hear from Director of Business Development, James Street. All of those stories and much more coming up on today's edition of GX on Agriculture. To GX on Agriculture, as you heard on Friday, Syngenta Canada has announced that it will release a limited amount of Matador 120EC insecticide and Volium Express insecticide in Western Canada with a focus on horticulture and pulse crops in time for the 2023 growing season. Syngenta's Head of Corporate Affairs, Christina Stroud, explains. We've made a decision to release uh, Matador 120EC, as well as Volume Express uh, in Western Canada, uh, and they're also available in Eastern Canada. And, uh, you know, we made this decision because we wanted to make sure that we were supporting farmers. We knew that um, possibly during this season it's going to be a a high-pressure season, and we wanted to make sure that we could do whatever we could to protect their crops from the forecasted pressure coming up. And so where we'll be releasing them, we'll, we'll work with our retail head offices to ensure that the product is distributed in the key horticulture and pulse-growing regions. She says this distribution decision is in response to the Pest Management Regulatory Agency reevaluation of Lambda Cyalothrin the active ingredient in Matator 120EC and Volium Express. Absolutely. It's still, all of the product going back out is with the uh, reevaluation uh, label that the PRMRA, we had to effective, you know, April 29th, the, the new label applies. So um, it's according to the, the current label. Stroud notes that crops treated with Lambda Cyalothrin cannot be fed to or grazed by livestock in Canada, including any harvested grain, seed screenings, hay forage silage byproducts, or aftermath. Correct, absolutely. And um, growers should, uh, you know, as we always say, review the current label restrictions, and we're encouraging them to consult with their commodity associations prior to using uh, Lambda. 
In the meantime, she hopes that the PMRA will reconsider their decision to prohibit lambda use on crops that could be used as livestock feed. We understand that it's such an important technology to growers. Uh, we w- I will add that our submission that we put forward in September of 2021, uh, requesting reinstatement of as many of the livestock feed grain uses as possible, is still under review by, by PMRA. So we're uh, continuing to support that submission until it's completed. Christina Stroud is the head of corporate affairs for Syngenta Canada. It's time now for the Ag Review portion of our program, and that's a presentation of New Era Ag Technologies in Swan River. EX94, Ag Review. Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada released its latest supply and demand projections on Friday. Canola ending stocks for both the current marketing year and 2023-24 were raised slightly. The government agency lowered its canola export forecast for 2022-23 by 200,000 metric tonnes from March, now pegging movement at 8.4 million tonnes. With domestic usage left unchanged at 9.738 million metric tonnes, ending stocks were raised to 1 million tonnes from 800,000 the previous month. The canola carryout for 2023-24 was up to 1.05 million from 850,000 the previous month. The wheat numbers also saw a minor adjustment with a 100,000 metric ton increase in old crop export projections to 24.4 million, leading to a matching drop in carryout now at 4.4 million tons. New crop Canadian wheat ending stocks were left unchanged at 5.7 million metric tons. Statistics Canada is set to release its first survey-based acreage estimates for the 2023 crop on Wednesday, which should lead to some adjustments in future AAFC reports. The Canadian Food Inspection Agency has revoked three primary control zones for the highly contagious avian flu in British Columbia. It says this happens when post-outbreak surveillance is completed and no further cases of avian influenza are detected. The agency's website showed the number of birds that have been impacted in the province as of last Wednesday was 3,657,000. It says that while the virus affects birds, there is no evidence it can be passed to humans who consume poultry products. The Canola Council of Canada has begun the process of searching for the next president and CEO of the organization. Current president Jim Everson announced his departure earlier this month and will continue in the role until a new president and CEO is in place. The executive committee of the board has selected HR Resolve to lead the recruitment effort, which is now underway. Board Chair Jennifer Marchand says the new president and CEO will harness a cooperative approach to continue to build new opportunities and growth for the sector. She says Everson played a key role in reforming the Canola Council's financial governance, opening new market access pathways, and leading the value chain through challenging market access issues. Everson joined the Council as president in April of 2017, and also previously served as Vice President of Government Relations with the Council from 2008 to 2015. 
Russia's former president says that if the G7 moves to ban exports to Russia, Moscow will respond by terminating the Black Sea grain deal that enables vital exports of grain from Ukraine. Russia has repeatedly threatened to scrap its participation in the grain deal, which is due to expire on May 18th. The G7 is reportedly discussing reversing its sanctions approach so that exports to Russia are automatically banned unless they are included on a designated list of products allowed to be shipped to the country. Under the current framework, goods are allowed to be sold to Russia unless they are explicitly blacklisted. The G7 agriculture ministers have called for the extension, full implementation and expansion of the deal to export Ukrainian grain through the Black Sea. The Prime Minister of Poland claims European Union measures to help farmers affected by a glut of Ukrainian food imports are too little too late. On Friday, the government approved $3.23 billion Canadian in aid for Polish agriculture. Central European countries are trying to thrash out a deal with Brussels on EU-wide measures to help agriculture after some of them unilaterally introduced import bans on Ukrainian food products. Several Central European countries became transit routes for Ukrainian grain that could not be exported through the country's Black Sea ports because of Russia's full-scale invasion in February of 2022. Bottlenecks then trapped millions of tons of grains in countries bordering Ukraine, forcing local farmers to compete with an influx of cheap Ukrainian imports. And be sure to listen to the latest GX on Agriculture podcast. It's brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Please stay tuned. GX on Agriculture will be back right after these messages. Future Ford has been serving the Melville area for over 30 years. They focus on the future. Their staff are ready for what's to come. Ford Tech is changing all the time with new vehicle technology like EV, self-driving, and more. Get ready to drive into the future. Why? Because the future is Future Ford. Livestock market conditions. U.S. live cattle futures for June closed at 164.55 today. That's up two. August live cattle closed at 163.45, down 10. May feeder cattle closed at 210.75, down 165. August feeder cattle closed at 229.32, down 55. May lean hogs closed at 77.70, up 67. June lean hogs closed at 87.35, up 127. And that's the livestock market conditions. Needs. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. I'm Doug Falconer. It's sunny and 5 degrees in the Yorkton-Melville region. I'll have your complete weather details coming up at the top of the hour. Regina-based Protein Industries Canada is working with a university in the Netherlands to support the use of more plant-based sources of protein. An agreement between the Regina-based group and a university in the Netherlands was announced at the Dutch consulate in Vancouver. Protein Industries Canada Director of Business Development, James Street, outlines the benefits of the agreement. We're meeting with uh, the president of Wageningen University in the Netherlands to celebrate a 
a signature um, and a, a letter of support to collaborate with uh, research and development on plant-based proteins here in Canada. He explains what it all means for farmers. Well, it's going to mean more opportunities to add value to the broad acreage crops uh, that we use to extract protein for the, the latest and uh, greatest plant-based foods and ingredients that you see on the marketplace today. Street talks about what will be researched. We'll be looking at formulations, uh, you know, solving for taste and texture and, you know, creating the, the great products that are going to help Canada be competitive on the global stage when it comes to the finished products. There's going to be collaboration further upstream in the value chain and looking at where the um, functionality plays a role in the plant breeding as well. So making sure that Canada's crop production is also you know, relevant and, and competitive going forward, making sure that we're growing the crops that are adjusting and adapting to the uh, consumer taste. He lists the kinds of products they're talking about. Well, these are often, you know, the, the largest category is the, the plant-based beverages, um, but we do see increased growth in the plant-based meat analogs, so your, your plant-based chicken nuggets and your burgers and sausages, those sorts of things, as well as growing demand and growing uh, innovation in plant-based cheeses and a lot of the functional foods and functional ingredients that are used in some of the health products as well. Street places a value on this letter of agreement. Well, we're, we're just in early stages of looking at where the opportunities are and where this is the first stage in connecting Canadian companies with Dutch companies to explore where these R&D collaborations will be. Um, this, of course, is happening lockstep with the launch of our second fund where Ministry of Innovation and Science and Economic Development, I said, had granted us $150 million through the Global Innovation Supercluster Program. So we'll be looking at opportunities to dedicate a portion of that fund on our side to support that R&D. And he explains where the Netherlands stands in developing plant-based foods. Yeah, I don't know that it's so much a, a lead, but we're we're working together. You know, Canada and the Netherlands are, are both working on this because we see the value and the opportunity in, in both countries working on this. Canada and the Netherlands are both seen as global thought leaders and innovators in the space. So it's it's a really natural marriage of, of the two jurisdictions. Well, we're really excited to, to see where the R&D projects are going to land. You know, we are excited to see what sort of challenges we can solve and increase the competitiveness. James Street is the Director of Business Development for Regina-based Protein Industries Canada. Commodities Update. Canola futures closed down across the board today. July canola closed at 7.2770, down $2.20. November canola closed at 6.9740, down $3.10. July Minneapolis wheat closed at 8.40 and 3 quarters, down 5 cents. July Kansas City wheat closed at 8.17 and a half, down 8 cents. July Chicago wheat closed at 6.57 per bushel, down 16 cents. July corn closed at 6.07 and a half, down 7 and 3 quarters of a cent. July soybeans closed at 14.36 per bushel, down 13 cents. July oats closed at 3.38 per bushel, up one and a half cents.
And that's the Commodities Update. The Executive Director of the Swine Health Information Centre says the use of unapproved vaccines has contributed to a resurgence of African swine fever in China. Dr. Paul Sundberg outlines the key developments in the disease over the past month or so. For North America, one of the most important developments has been the uh, change in strategy of handling ASF in the Dominican Republic. Um, there, the Dominican Republic government has um, modified their regulations and set mandatory sampling, for example, every 21 days. But they're managing that program themselves, and USDA is down there right now in very much of a support mode um, rather than a mode of, of direction or a mode of infusion. They're in a support mode and watching to see what the DR, listening to the DR, government and producers with how they can help. And it's a little bit different strategy than we started with um, in in that the initial um, push was to eradicate ASF as quickly as possible from the island. And that strategy is changed now to one more toward the management side. So I think that's probably one of the biggest um, uh, changes in ASF management that we've had, especially uh, affecting us here in North America. He lists the key factors in prompting this change in strategy. I think the key factors have been that um, the Dominican Republic producers and their government um, are still working out their strategies of how to handle ASF. Um, the USDA offered everything they could do to help, including a new diagnostic lab in the Dominican Republic so the um, samples and the testing could be done right there on island and not have to be shipped to Plum Island for confirmation. That's a big step and that's a big step in, in helping um, to support their program. But right now it's between the producers on the island in the Dominican Republic as well as uh, the government to develop their own strategy of how they want to handle this virus. And um, information from the USDA is that they are there to help in any way they can, um, but they really are not leading this. They are uh, in supplementing the effort. In addition, you have to recognize that African swine fever is in Haiti, and the issues in Haiti are very deep and um, very severe. And African swine fever and its management and control in Haiti is probably one of the lower things on the ladder of things to be concerned about in that country right now. And so that leads to the realization that that virus in, in those pigs, especially in that country, um, will likely be there for quite a while. Dr. Sunberg has the latest on the spread of African swine fever in China. Yeah, uh, well, the, the other big news then is the resurgence of African swine fever in China. Um, China went through that first wave in 2018 when it started, and it worked through in, for multiple years in China to um, take out a good portion of its swine herd. Um, the Chinese producers and the Chinese government are trying to support repopulation of their um, breeding herds, and that introduces, again, susceptible animals into the country. Um, even though there are a variety of different 
vaccines that may be used in China that are may be used in China. Um, those vaccines sometimes are not the safest and most effective. And so that uh, helps give an underlying issue of, of hiding virus rather than finding it. Um, the vaccines may tamp it down enough that it isn't obvious, but um, it's still there. And so there is a resurgence in the high, um, uh, high hog areas, the high pig areas of China that China is trying to deal with now. He says the resurgence in China could hamper efforts to gain control of African swine fever. Well, uh, of course, that's all to be determined in gaining control of the infection. But I think one of the biggest uh, issues there and one of the biggest things that has to be worked through is this of uh, different African swine fever vaccines that are being used. Um, different deletions, different combinations, different uh, formulas for vaccine provide a, a, a variety uh, and a, an array of um, genetic material in the countryside that uh, may tamp down that virus and may make it more difficult to ultimately control it. It's still yet to be uh, determined, but it certainly looks like it's uh, going to be a long haul to try to get uh, control of that virus in that country. Dr. Sunberg outlines what North American pork producers and stakeholders should be focused on at this point. The thing that producers need to be focused on is their biosecurity on their farms and in their systems. Um, there, there are government, uh, federal and, and provincial and state governments that look at the borders and try to help with movement and try to keep the virus out of the countries. And that's needed and that's a great thing, but they can't do it. They can't be ultimately successful by themselves. This is a state federal industry partnership. And that means the industry has to step up with its piece of that partnership. And that's biosecurity on the farms. Looking at all of the different areas that your farm may have some international contact in and two international contacts to areas of the world that have African swine fever. So international contacts is not just international visitors, but maybe your workers, maybe the things that they bring onto the farm uh, for lunch, um, the feed contacts and the feed components that you have coming onto your farm. Those are all things look for international contacts and, and put into place the biosecurity procedures needed to block the, any entry of virus into your farm and into your pigs. And he provides these final comments. I think that um, the African swine fever is another example of a very long, long-term issue that we have to address. Um, in 2018, when it got into uh, China, it, it was termed, this is going to be a marathon. It's not going to be a, a sprint. It's not going to be a race that you're going to get over quickly. And we see that in China, we see that in the, the Dominican Republic, uh, in Haiti, um, in multiple places in the world. And we have to stay vigilant. We have to stay focused on the things that we need to do in order to keep that virus out of North America. Dr. Paul Sunberg is the executive director of the Swine Health Information Center. Please stay tuned. Your agriculture weather is coming up next. El Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. It's now 1 o'clock in Saskatchewan, 2 o'clock in Manitoba. 
Time to check the GX94 Precision Weather Forecast. For the Quill Lakes, Hudson Bay, Swan River, Broadview, Mooseman, Indian Head, and Yorkton, Melville, Roblin, Russell regions today. A mix of sun and cloud, winds southeast at 15 to 25 with higher gusts at times and a high of 6 degrees. For tonight, partly cloudy, winds southeast at 10 to 20, a low of minus 2. For tomorrow, becoming cloudy, winds south-southeast at 15 to 30, a high of 8 with an overnight low of 3 and a 50% chance of rain mixed with wet snow. For Wednesday, an 80% chance of showers, winds west-northwest at 20 to 40, a high of 9. Thursday, mainly cloudy, a high of 7. And for Friday, mainly cloudy, a high of 9. In the Paw, it's 5 degrees, Swan River 6, Dauphin, Brandon, Show Lake, Russell, and Roblin 4. Regina and Winyard, Wadena, Kelvington are at 6, Saskatoon 9, Hudson Bay 7, Broadview, Mooseman 5, Indian Head 3. The Yorkton-Melville region has a sunny sky, an east-southeast wind at 15, gusting to 30 kilometers an hour. 49% is the relative humidity. The temperature is 5 degrees. That's your agriculture weather, and that'll do it for GX on Agriculture for today. Be sure to tune in again tomorrow at 12.15 Saskatchewan time for another edition of the program. It's time now for the news and sports headlines. The GX on Agriculture podcast has been brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Future Ford is your automotive expert. From sales to service, they're the ones you can trust to get rolling again sooner.